coming, so everyone's looking forward to a new year, new me, quote mark. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, but I'm, I mean, we're in a joy season where everyone's happy um, and, and we're joyous and we get to spend time with family and we get to eat, you know, rice and beans and um, jello fries and um, turkey <laughs> and duck for some of us. Um, I know my mom likes to make duck, so yeah. But, but we're in a point of, of happiness, right? Where, where everyone's generally quite quite joyous. And, and what I wanted to, to get at today was um, having a joyous foundation or our foundations for joy, our reasons why we're happy. Um, now, our very being, like the, the, the people who we are, is based on, you know, happiness. It's based on our fulfillment in life. It's the fact that in, in life, I want to be happy, as most people want to be happy. I don't know who wants to be sad in their life, but yeah, but, but, but our general lifespan is, is, a set, is to be fulfilled. Now, our fulfillment is based on what makes us happy and, and what makes us joyful, right, in life. And um, so I was looking at this and thinking, well, what makes me happy and, and how does that relate to God? How does that work with how God wants me to live in terms of how I want to, to, to be happy and have fulfillment in my life? And I came across um, some points. One point was this idea um, that the early philosophers of the 4th century coined as what is called hedonism. Cool. Yes. Hedonism. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, the, the early philosophers of they called it hedonism, and they understood hedonism to be um, what was termed as a the philosophy that pleasure is the most important pursuit of mankind and the only good for an individual. Right. So, so the only good for, for an individual is pleasure. That's what the, the, the early philosophers of the fourth century understood by joy or happiness or hedonism. Um, and for, for some of us Christians would we'll say, well, that's, that doesn't quite sound right because that means you're making pleasure your God, right? And, and you're, are, you, are you all about pleasure? Is that what your, your life is all about? Isn't it all about God? And um, a famous Reformed preacher, um, John Piper, actually um, stated it different and stated what we have is what is called Christian hedonism. And that, and that basically means... Next up, and next up again. And that basically means the pleasure in itself is not the God, but that what we find most pleasure in is our God. Mm-hmm. So it's, the very, it's, it's, it's very much on, based on, on the idea that what I find most pleasure in, what, what I get most gratification from, is my God. Right? That, that, that's my God. What drives me every morning, what, what wakes me up every day and says, I'm going again, that's my God. Right, and, um, and and so the question that I'll probably challenge, um, and I'll probably put sorry to, to, to everyone today, um, is this question of: Do you feel more loved by God when He makes much of you, or when He frees you to make much of Him? Yeah, you know. So, so do you feel more loved by God when He makes much of you, or when He frees you to make much of Him? And, and I'm going to relate that to how. That, that relates to, to, to joy um, as I go through. But, but the point I wanted to make here, I'll probably say it in a more simpler way. Do you um, feel happier? Um, are you ecstatic, basically, when, when God is allowing you to, to, to make much of him, to, to, to glory in him, to give him the praise? Or do you prefer when God is doing stuff for you and you're the end point? So, so, so when God says, I'm, you know, I'm going to bless you with a new job, 
and that's it. God, you've blessed me. What a good God you are. You've done a good job. Well done, mate. I know you've invested in me. Well done, God. Goodness me, you're smarter than I thought. You know, <laughs> you've invested in me. So, so that's, sometimes that's the attitude we have. That's the heart we have towards God is, is me. Because we, we live in, uh, in an age of consumerism. And we've lived in that kind of age for, for ages. Um, I mean, we're consumers. We, we take, 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 take. I want, want, want me, me, me. What makes me happy. Um, and and, and that's, that's the heart of, of, of the fallen human. Um, now, now, why do I ask this question? Um, the need to get it right. Um, if you could go to next, lovely. Yeah. So, so what, why, why, you know, why is this important? Why do I have to bother about whether I feel more loved by God when he's doing a bunch of stuff for me, when he's making a big deal out of me, or when he's doing stuff to make me make much of him? You know, to, to make his name great. Um, or, you know, why does that question matter? Ultimately, aren't both things happening anyway? So why does the order in which it happens matter? Well, um, it does matter. And, and the reason being is because everything we find joy in has a layer or a, founda- a foundation. Um, or it could be several, several layers. Um, but there's always a core reason. Yeah, so, so there's, always, there's always a core reason. So, example, um, students, we like good grades, right? Yes. Yeah, like, like a, good, a, good, a good grade is, is nice. It's nice to get a good grade. And, and that makes you happy. It's happy when, when your results come back and they're good. And, well, why? Someone might ask you, why, why are you happy when you get a good grade? Well, because I don't like a butt whooping, so... I like good grades. Um, and, and another reason you might say is because I, I like the praise of my teachers, so I like a good grade. Okay, fair enough. And what's another reason? Well, maybe another reason is because I wanted to get into a certain you know, particular college, so I can study to be a biochemist. Okay, cool. Well, why do you want to get into, into that particular college and become a biochemist? Well, because I, I want to you know, specialise in biochemistry. Why do you want to specialise in biochemistry? Because, um, you know, a family member of mine suffered from cancer a while ago and, and it really hurt my family. And so I want to be part of, you know, of the solution to that. And I want to help that. Well, why do you find gratification from that? Why are you happy? Why, are you, why, why does it make you happy to be able to help people, um, you know, who, who have cancer? And, and you can go on and on and on, and have different reasons, and, and, and several reasons. And, but somewhere at the bottom, some, somewhere at the very bottom of all your reasoning, of all your different layers of, of foundation, um, there's, there's one thing that you can't go any further than. And it's going to be two, two, of two possible options for most of us. Um, and that's either self or God. I'm, I'm either really happy about everything that I want to do and everything in my life, that I'm doing, I'm playing football, I love it, great. And, and at the end of it, somewhere, it could be just me. It could be I'm the end goal, I'm the end result, I'm being made much of. You know, that, that could be the end goal. Or it could be I get to worship God in doing this. I, I, get, I, get, I get the chance, God allows me the chance to, to worship him with, with my life in, in finding joy. So, so God finds a way to allow me to be happy for his glory. It's not for me. I'm not the end point. I'm not the end point of this joy. God is the end point of my joy. Amen. Right? And, and that's why it's important. And it's important because not everyone feels that way. 
Not everyone feels that way. I'll give you an example. I don't know if, everyone, if anyone knows of Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry, famous comedian, right? And he, and he was recently in an, in an interview, well, not recently, probably a while back now, in an interview and where he called God a maniac. He said, he said God, God is a maniac and a capricious God. Um, you know, why would he allow suffering in this world? And, and he said, and he expects us to bow down and worship him day after day. What kind of God is that? And that's, that's the heart of man. That, that is generally the heart of man. Romans 3 speaks about it constantly, how the man has fallen. That's the heart of man. The heart of man says, why does God want me to worship him? Why doesn't he do stuff for me? Why doesn't he do stuff for us and make me happy? On Christmas Day, I want, I want to be happy and I want to enjoy my time. And, and why does he have to be the headliner? Why, why does he have to be the, the, the main point of, of joy? Um, and I want to just go over a few scriptures um, really quickly, which just show how God has designed for us to be happy um, and how he designed for him to be the joyous foundation. So I've got Corinthians ten thirty one, right? Uh, and it says, so whatever, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, right? I mean, that's, that's quite self-explanatory. That's simple. It, at the end of the day, everything I do, when I'm eating on Christmas, I'm drinking on Christmas, I'm loving family on Christmas. I'm doing it all to the glory of God. That's, that's what he calls, that's, that's, that's how scripture puts it, plainly. Um, and then you've got another scripture, Ephesians 1, um, 5 to 6. Uh, and he says, so he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, typo, to the praise of his glorious grace uh, with which he has blessed us. Uh, the beloved. So he predestined us. So, so that means he's, he's chosen me before the world was made. He's, he's, he's had me ready to be his, his child, basically. That is God making much of you. That, that's God saying, you're a big, I'm going to make you a big deal. You weren't a big deal on your own, but, but I've, I'm making a big deal out of you. I'm, 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 I'm happy over you and I'm going to take you and, and make you mine. So God is doing that. And he's saying, and I'm doing this according to the purpose of his will. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So, so the order that he's got it all in is, is, well, I'm making a big deal out of you guys so that you make a big deal out of me. That's, that's the idea. The idea is, I make a big deal out of you so that you make a big deal out of me. It's not, I make a big deal out of you and you walk away and come back when you need another me, me to make a big deal out of you again, basically. It does, doesn't work that way. The, the, the way it's designed and the way God is designed is, is for us to, to love him um, and, and worship him for, for eternity. And, and, and he facilitates that in, in making us happy. You know? And, and that is, that's our joyous foundation. So, again, I, I'll carry on and say, you know, this, this is such an important point when I say that, it, that there's a need to get this right. is because many of us we feel loved, right? Because we feel that God is committed to making me the ultimate reason and point of his goodness. Right? So, so I'll say it again. So, so many of us, we feel loved. I feel treasured by God because I know he's committed to, he's going to make me the ultimate point of the reason why he's good. I'm the center of attention, basically, for God. And that's where it ends. And I'm happy. That's, that's, that's how I feel that God loves me. That's a, a lot of people feel that way. 
A lot of people feel that way and a lot of people fall away from God or reject God because they think he's not like that. A lot of people feel like, well, why, why should God, why, why does God make a world where it's about him and he's expecting me to, to worship him and he doesn't expect me to live my life the way I want to live my life and I don't get to gratify myself in the way I want to gratify myself. Why is it about him and not about me? What's so special about God that, you know, that, that he, can't, he can't make much of me and leave it there? Isn't he a greedy God? That's, that's how some people have described him, to be an egotistical maniac, is the word. He's, 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 got, he's got an ego um, complex, I think that's the word, an, an ego complex. He's all about himself. And he is all about himself, and rightly so, because he's God. He's God, and so he's designed for everything to, to work to, to his glory. Right? You know, another thing I'll say, I guess, is the fact that many professing Christians, and, and that's... Sadly, even some of us sometimes in, in the room, in, in this room, many of us are professing Christians, but we've never felt the fundamental alteration in the foundation of our happiness. So we, we've never felt the fundamental alteration in the foundation of my happiness. What The, the main point, the, the, the main bit of my happiness, the, 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 the main core of my happiness, we haven't felt a change in it because it's still me. So someone else might be giving it to me, maybe before, you know, um, before I always wanted money, right? So I've always wanted money, right? So before I was looking for money in the lottery <laughs> and in, um, I don't know, um, in, 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 in the wrong ways to get it. But now David has preached about, you know, God and how he's the way and, you know, and he, sometimes he can bless us with money. Goodness me. God loves me. I love me too. <laughs> well done, God. <laughs> Goodness. Um, and, and then so, so you get to, so, so we get to a point where we say, okay, I want money. And I'm going to go to God because he's going to give me money. Right? I wanted it the wrong way before, but now I can kind of get it the right way. Or it might be health um, for some of us. You know, I, I always wanted to be healthy. And I was trusting in the paracetamol and the ibuprofen. And it's not when working. I still have an ankle ache. So I'm coming to God and I'm praying hard. And goodness me, it's worked. God, you make such great decisions. <laughs> you couldn't be any smarter, could you? Goodness me. And it's all about me. It's all about me. Um, and, and, and basically all it is is that the meal stays the same, but it's a different butler. So, so, so the meal stays the same and, and it's a different butler. Like that's, and that's not new birth. That's not regeneration. That's not what the Christian life looks like. So, so I'll give maybe even a further example is um, the idea of, of hell. You know, for, for many of us, it was like, goodness me, I was scared. I don't want to go to hell. So, you know, God's going to save me from that. You know, I get to have good skin <laughs> in my next life, <laughs> basically. Next life, I get to have good skin. So, so I come to God because he's going to provide that for me. For some of us, that's our heart. That's the heart of some Christians is, I get to, I get to escape from hell. So, hey, God, if you're going to do that for me, I'm, I'm all down for what you're about, mate. Do you know what I mean, I'm, I'm all down for what you're about. If you're going to give me, you know, freedom in the next life, then, yeah, sure, why not? And, and that's actually not the heart of the Christian. That's not the true heart of the Christian. As I say, it, it's, not, it's not the same meal made by a different butler. Neither is it 
the same team under a new name. It's not the same team under a new name. It's a new team entirely. You change the players, change the management, change the owner. Joseph Marino style. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You, you change everything. Change, change everything about it. That's, that's the heart. The heart of the Christian is now I'm, my, my main point and my main source of foundation is not stuff. It's not creation. It's the creator. Amen. Right? It's, it's God himself. I get to have God himself for me. He, he's mine. On, on Christmas Day, um, he shows himself in coming down uh, as a man and empathizing with me, and he makes much of me. Yes, he does. Why? Because it's for his glory. Amen. Why? Because his name is going to be made great on Christmas Day. And for the rest of your life, his name gets made great. Yeah? Now, I, I want to stress the point that um, my point today is not to say that you shouldn't be happy about the fact that God makes a big deal out of you, because he does make a big deal out of you. He does bless you, he does give you a bunch of stuff, and he's gracious in that way, and he treasures and exalts over you, and he loves you so much. I'm not diminishing that. I don't want to diminish that. I want to say that there's a ranking, right? I want to say that there's, there's, there's an order in which it happens. He, he makes much of me, he exalts over me, he loves me so much so that I can love him, so that in the end he gets glory. That's, that's my point. That's my life. That's our life, and that's what our life should look like, right? Um, I want to go to Isaiah 49, um, if you can turn with me. Isaiah 49, um, verses 15 and 16. I've got it up as well. Uh, And so it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Um, this is a promise from, from, from God here, and, and his promise is that I've engraved you. And I want to really sort of focus on, on a point where he says, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. Now, the context of this, um, when Isaiah writes this, we've got to understand what it would have looked at. What, what does it mean when God says he's engraved my name in the palm of his hand? In this time, right, for someone to engrave a name on someone's hand, it meant you were someone's slave. Right? That's, that's what it meant, because they, they needed it to, to, to be able to identify who does this person belong to. And then so we'd read the name on, on the person's you know, arm and figure out, oh, they belong to so-and-so. And so, so this is crazy. For God to say this, for God to say he's engraved my name in the palm of his hand, he's engraved my name on him. What, is he trying to say he's my slave or what? No, that's, that's, not, that's not the context. That's not the same way in which he's putting it, but he's, he's, he's saying that he's, he's desperate about you. He loves you. He loves you. God, God so loves you that he would engrave your name on his, on his hand. He, he would have you on, on him. You know, and and, he, and he, 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 t- he takes you and says, this is mine, this is mine, this is my child. And so, so I engrave their name on me. And that's a crazy statement. That's, a, that's actually a, a, a mad statement when you think about it, how, how much God loves you, that that's crazy, that he would, he would, he would in effect, almost tattoo you on him. That, that's the equivalent. That's probably the equivalent in, in, some, in some senses. He's almost tattooing you, you know, on, on him. And that, and that was crazy to, to have done that. Um, 
And, and we actually see a reflection of that in, um, in, in John 20, 27. I haven't got it up, but, but John 20, 27 is, is when Jesus appears um, to Thomas. And, and he says, and look in my hands, look at the holes in my hands. Because Thomas says, I'm not a mug, mate. I'm not going to believe um, about this Jesus rising until I see it myself. And then Jesus shows up to, to, to John and says, look, look at my pierced hands. Look, look, look at the hole in my hands. Do you want to put your finger through it? And, 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 and Jesus at that point is saying, Thomas, look, look, I have you in my hands. Look at, look at, look at me. Look, look at what I said I was going to do. I said I was going to die and raise and I did it and I did it for you and I'm making a big deal out of you. Make it, he, God makes a big deal out of you and I, and, and it's for his glory. So ultimately, with, with a pitch, with a design to make his name great. I also look at Revelations 3, 12. Um, and he says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write him, I write, I write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Um, I want to focus on the point where he says that I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Um, now, basically, in, in, in the context of this is, um, obviously, it's revelation, and it's a picture of what Jesus, what we're going to look like in, in those days, um, in, in that end time, and, and when Jesus comes to get us. And he says, on that final day, when, when he takes us up, he is going to place us a, as a pillar in a temple of God. That's a big deal. That's a big deal for, for, for God to say, I'm almost putting you next to my throne in a way I'm putting you right here you're, you're, you're going to be my almost like my right hand man in, in, in a sense that's, that's probably the equivalent and God again makes you see how God makes a big deal out of us and says goodness me I treasure you and I love you so much um, and I'll probably go again on to Zephaniah three seventeen, um, and so he says the Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save, he will rejoice over you with gladness, he will quiet you by his love, he will exult, exult over you with loud singing. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but I, I, never always, I never always had the idea that God is exulting over me. That, that, that idea sounds a bit crazy because we would always say, we exalt God, right? So, so we exalt God, we, we praise his name, we put him in the highest. But there's a sense in which God is exalting over me. So, so he's not lifting you above him, per se. He's, he's saying, I am so happy about you. I'm, I love you so much. Um, I'm making a big deal out of you, and I'm going to keep making a big deal out of you because you mean so much to me. And the design is that he gets the glory, yeah. that he would be the joyous foundation for why he's making a big deal out of you. I mean, I mean, it's crazy in itself. And in Corinthians, Corinthians 6, 3. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Oh, <laughs> oh that was awkward. <laughs> Corinthians, right, okay. That's not quiet. But, what have I got now? Hold on. Just want to read it out to you, and I'll (laughs) 
Cool. So Corinthians six three. Um, if it would load up. Right, cool, that was awkward. Okay, I've got it. Um, Know ye not that we shall judge angels, how much more things that pertain to this life. Um, In in that scripture, um, God makes a promise to us and says, he's he's actually talking to to the Corinthians at the time because they were arguing amongst themselves and they they would, you know, take each other to court and and whatnot. So so Paul is exalting them not to do that. Um, and as Christians, not to take each other to court and not argue against each other, basically, in that sense. That's, that's the context of that scripture. But what he says is that, know ye not that you, don't you know, in effect is what he's saying, don't you know that you're going to judge angels? That's a big deal. I, I don't know about you, that's a big deal. And I, I don't even know what probably that's going to actually look like. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know what, what it's going to be. Am I just going to be like, angel, you're wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't actually know what that's actually going to look like. But but I know it's a big deal. I know that's not a small thing for for God to say to me. You get to judge angels. That's that's God making a big deal out of you. That's God loving you and saying, I, I love you so much. Here, have this. This I'm giving you this right. You know, to in in the next life that you get to judge angels. You know, He's going to perfect us. He's going to give us the universe. That's that's more than enough pounds. <laughs> that's more than enough pounds for us he's going to give us the universe he's going to give us the world in the next life um, I'll also go on to Luke Luke two nineteen. we see an example in, in scripture again right I'll read it out sorry I haven't got it but for unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths um, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. With, when the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering on them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So, Again, another picture of the three wise men. Um, they hear about Jesus. He's being born. And, um, and the first thing they do is they make much of God. They praise God. That's, that was the first reaction was to say, praise God in the highest. Now, I probably don't have time to dwell on some of the other scriptures. But again, he says, Psalms 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. That's God making a big deal out of you. Why should mercy, why should goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life? What, what can you say that I've merited good mercy to follow me all the days of my life? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But yet he makes a big deal out of you in, in, in saying that. I, I, I want to also um, sort of round up with, with this. Um, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis writes, 
this, which I've got up here. Um, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that Dolly's most uninterested person you can talk to uh, may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and the corruption such as you now meet, if at all only in a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. Next slide, please. Um, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as life is to a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Now, there's quite a lot of content in, content in, in, in what C.S. Lewis, Lewis writes there, but, but his, one of the main points I'm making out of that is actually he says that we get to live forever. We, we get to live forever as gods in, in some sense when, you know, in, in some sense we're, we're not mortals when, when we go into the next life. That's, that's the point. The point is that God has not made us just to end at this life. It's that we live forever. And for some of us, it's going to be for honorable use or for dishonorable use, as Romans 9 puts it. But we get to live forever. That's God being able to make much of us. And it is to his glory. So It is to his glory. So I want to go to the end goal. What's, what's my end goal? Um, the, the, the end goal? The end goal today is to help us treasure God as the headliner, not the opening act. Amen. Yeah, he's the headliner. He's not the opening act. He's the be all and end all of my joy, not just during Christmas, but throughout my lifetime. Amen. I know God is making much of me. He's loving me so that he can be made much of. And God loves you in a way that makes him the center of attention That kind of love is a greater love than if he were to love you in a way that makes you the center of attention. And the reason why that that is a greater love is because we are fallible human beings. We make mistakes. We mess up. Even in 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 our most glorious form in heaven, we're not God. We were made to worship God. We were made to love God, but we're not God. So so all our expectations of joy and happiness and every time I, I want to be happy, if I rest it on me, it crumbles. Because I crumble, because I mess up. Every day I'm weak. Every day I'm weak and I'm needed to be made strong by God in my sanctification. So if that's the case, I can only rely on God to be my foundation, to be the foundation for my joy. Otherwise, any other foundation will crumble. It will crumble. And, And God sees us as precious, so precious that he won't allow our preciousness to be our God. He sees me as so precious that he won't allow my preciousness to be my God. He allows himself to be his God. He's true to his name. And, and so for some of us, as I say, it's hard um, to see this kind of God as the God we want to serve. Christmas Day, some of us, we don't want to serve that God. I want, to, I want the God that makes much of me, not much of him. Um, but it's the God that we're called to serve. It's the God that he, call, he calls us to serve him in that way. That's how he's designed it. And, and he's made a big deal out of you. If you could, next slide, sorry. He's made a big deal out of you. He's making a big deal out of you. And he's going to continue to make a big deal out of you. 
And it's so that he would be the joyous foundation. God bless you.